Hi everyone, I'm Heidi Rogers and this is Tell the Others. I wanted to create a place for meaningful conversation, life lessons, and parenting hacks. Sometimes I chat to interesting people, sometimes I answer questions about parenting or life stuff, and sometimes I just rant. These episodes are filled with stories and insights that made me say, ugh, I just have to tell the others. So let's dive in to hear what we can learn today. I think spicy parents need to understand self-compassion more than the average person because spicy kids require so much compassion themselves and it's hard to pour into it's hard to pour compassion into someone who needs compassion if you don't understand that for yourself and if you like I find that in private practice a lot that people who are very harsh on their kids are often very harsh on themselves and vice versa. People who are very harsh on themselves are very harsh on other people and have minimal empathy, compassion, understanding. And it us- I usually help them, I point out to them that you have this happening in another part of your life um, if you're very judgmental on others. But spicy kids, I think, require so much, so much extra space, so much extra grace, so much extra understanding because they're wired so differently. They're not wired like a neurotypical kid. They're not wired where they're the kids where you try to do a certain thing and it doesn't work. They're the kid where um, you read all the positive parenting books and it doesn't work for them and you don't know why and you think it's you and you think as the parent you've done something wrong and that that's why the traits that you're or the techniques that you're reading about in the books don't work. You think it's your fault. You're doing it wrong. And a lot of parents that I meet will have said like will have done they'll tell me that they've done multiple programs or you know webinars or trainings or books or worked with other clinicians or whatever to improve their experience and improve their parenting and they're at that point so down on themselves and so frustrated by the whole thing because all of the things that they've been trying were designed for for lack of a better analogy for fruit if your kid is a vegetable or your kid is a carb, like those techniques aren't going to work for them because they're a completely different realm. And so self-compassion is huge with for spicy parents because usually by the time they get to me, however old their kid is, their kid's three, five, 20, whatever. By the time they get to me, they've already done parenting programs, webinars, books, worked with professionals, right? They've done all this stuff and they've not seen really much change or much improvement. And they can't understand why. And a lot of parents will come to me from that place of just beaten down, exhausted, and feeling like they don't know what else to do. And then they meet me or they read something I've written online or they see a video or whatever. And they'll message me saying, it's like you have been in my home. You're the first person that understands this. I'm so glad I found you. And it's so sad to me because the consequence of having such a long period of time where you feel so lost and so alone with the way that your kid is, is you start to internalize it and you start to think that it's my fault and you start to think that I've done something to make my kid this way. Because most people will have their family around them saying, you let him get away with murder, you should be giving her timeouts, you should just beat his ass and that will make him stop doing that. And everyone around spicy kid parents has usually been told it's you you're doing it wrong and when he's at my house he doesn't act like that at all is what I hear a lot right so spicy parents are often very very 
hard on themselves because a lot of the people around them are. And I think society probably, you could say too, is that that kid just needs a whooping or whatever, right? So the problem with that though is if you are coming from a place where you are being hard on yourself, it makes it very hard for you to have compassion on your kid and this little person who's acting in a way that they don't want to be acting. They just don't know how to calm down. They don't know how to communicate what they need. They don't, they're not aware yet of everything that's going on and making them be this way, right? So spicy kids more than any other kid needs a grown up in their life who has accessed compassion for themselves and then is able to extend that compassion to the child. The second piece to this that pops up in my mind when I think about, you know, why do spicy kid parents need to understand self-compassion? Almost, I would say like 99% of the time, when I meet a parent who's coming to see me because they have a kid with behavioral issues that they would describe as being challenging or or strong-willed or violent or whatever, I will say to them at some point in the conversation, you know you're a good mom, right? Or you know you're a good dad, right? And you know that the way that they are is not a direct reflection that you suck or that they are this way because you messed something up or you broke them or you did something wrong, right? And 99.9% of the time, that comment makes them ball their eyes out. And there's like this deep part of them that is so afraid that that's true, like, or that you know, like that it is their fault and they they believe that, that this is their fault and that's what their families often are saying or their other parent, you know. And so when they hear me, a professional, say, this isn't your fault and this kid was going to come out like this and this kid was always going to be this way. It's so, I think, healing and liberating for them to hear me say, this isn't your fault. There's Sure, there's things that we can tweak and you can do different, but they always were going to be this way because it's how they're wired. It's not as external as you think it is it's their wiring and how their their system is laid out and so when parents can then have that compassion on themselves ah i didn't break them ah i didn't do this to them then they're able to stay more regulated themselves they're able to yell less they're able to get less into that fight flight reacty space and they're able to respond more because they're being kinder to themselves and putting their nervous system in less of an activated state because they're speaking nicely to themselves. A more regulated parent means a more regulated kid. And most spicy kids' parents' issue is their kid is sucks at emotional regulation and is violent and aggressive either at home or at school. And that's dangerous. That's not a good thing. And also, the two things that spicy kids suck at more than anything is emotional regulation and tolerating feelings of shame and experiencing shame. And those two things sort of go round and round and dance together. I feel shame because I don't understand my feelings and I don't know what the hell to do with them, communicate what I need, manage frustration, tolerance, blah, blah, blah. and then I feel shame because I can't do that. I'm shamed because, and it sort of just goes back and forth. So if we know that the thing that a spicy child needs more than anything is to build the skills of emotional regulation and to learn how to regulate themselves. We're screwed if the kid is in the presence of a grown-up who doesn't know how to do that, because then how the hell are they supposed to learn? If the grown-up doesn't do it, and if all the grown-up is modeling for them is dysregulation, uh, aggression, yelling, then how the hell is the kid supposed to learn? And then we're just going to go run and round. 
And so self-compassion kind of underpins all of that, that if the voice in your head that says responsible for compassion, so compassionate me, if that voice is muted or very, very quiet and doesn't get to talk often, I'm not going to feel very safe internally and within my own mind. If the critic and the, the other voices that are cracking the whip and, you know, wagging their finger and shaking their finger at me, if they are the most talkative and the loudest and whatever, that's not going to help the sense of safety psychologically and emotionally, because I'm going to be so afraid that that critic is going to come out and whip me. Uh, I'm not going to feel brave. I'm not going to want to be myself. I'm not going to feel confident because I'm going to get my head bitten off. So circle back. So if I can speak to myself kindly, and that's the first step of compassion. So compassion, self-compassion 101. This is Kristen Neff's work. She's one of the gurus in self-compassion. The trifecta for effective self-compassion, you could say is, um, number one is kindness. So not speaking to yourself harshly, not being really judgmental to yourself. Um, The second piece is the common humanity. So seeing us all kind of connected and we're all sharing the same problems and we're all human. So kind of just saying to yourself, I'm human. Of course I made a mistake. And then thirdly is uh, mindfulness, which I know sounds cliche and like saying do yoga, but mindfulness really means I'm being mindfully aware of how I'm speaking to myself right now. And I'm being conscious in, am I extending compassion to myself right now? Or am I being really critical and harsh? That's what in the context of self-compassion mindfulness means, right? So what you want to be mindful of is those three things whenever anything happens how I'm responding and how I'm showing up in this interaction or in this conflict am I embracing those three things for myself am I speaking kindly to myself am I recognizing I'm human I'm not perfect and then am I being mindful and consciously aware of how I'm speaking to myself so When you do that, so like, why? What the hell? Who cares? Why should I do all this? Because if I'm speaking to myself with those three things going on, then, well, first of all, the the way that I will be showing up is I will be more regulated because speaking to myself in kind ways makes my nervous system chill out, makes my brain get out of fight flight and my nervous system out, out of fight flight. It makes me capable of accessing more of a response rather than a reaction, right? I'm not acting out of emotion and ego. I'm acting out of the cortex, the part of the brain that's responsible for logic and um, closer to who we really want to be, I think. So responding in this way means that I get to be more conscious and thoughtful. And it's like, I get to show up as who I really am. If I'm really hard on myself and, um, you know, the perfectionist is sort of driving my behavior. And if it's not perfect, it's unacceptable and it's not good enough. If that voice is driving what people often don't realize in any area of their life, at work, in the classroom, in their families, whatever, when that voice is driving, it is actually hindering you massively. That whip cracking uh, security guard, prison warden, that persona, that person sends the whole organization into a scared response. And then I'm not 
being my smartest, best self, because there's so many parts of me that are actually afraid of doing and saying the wrong thing that I don't actually get to really shine and show you my skills and show you what I'm good at. So, and it's the same with kids when parents do that with their kids, you know, they think if I crack the whip on my kid, that's going to make them be a better ice skater or better science test taker. No, you're sending their nervous system into a stress response. Whereas if you are compassionate and empathetic and loving and safe and they're, their body and their brain can relax and feel safe, then they will do better because then they can access all the parts of their brain to think and execute and perform their best. So a quick way that you can practice this, because a lot of times people will say, um, I don't even know where to start. I'm so mad at myself for so many things I think that I get wrong or, you know, all these things that I think I do poorly. And this is a great place where I start with clients of how you can just have a crack and see what it's like to extend some compassion to yourself that you're maybe not used to. So I want you to first think about all of the different voices in your head as different personas, different parts. So they're all you, they have your face, maybe they're different ages, they're little, they're teenagers, uh, present day, whatever. Then there's different emotions, there's angry you, uh, sad you, uh, happy you, all the different parts. And these are sort of the, the board members that sit at the board in your organization. I also want you to create, if you don't have them already as voices in your head, ideal loving parent you. Uh, So whatever kind of parenting experience you had, irrelevant, create in your mind a version of you that is an ideal, loving, nurturing, you know, squishy, cuddly parent, okay? And then another part is old, wise me. So think of yourself in your 80s or something. And I want you to then, you can close your eyes if that helps kind of really get into it. Think about this part that is being critical or this part that is saying you didn't do this right or, you know, the part that's needing to hear. You you intuitively think this part needs to hear some compassion. Think about that part and what they're saying. So you managed this project poorly or you shouldn't have done this or whatever. And then with your eyes closed, imagining ideal loving parent, you coming next to that part, old wise me coming next to that part. And then of course, the board member whose name is compassionate me, what would compassion say, right? And I bring them all. So there's these three sitting around this part that's being chastised and ridiculed and shamed and scolded for doing something wrong. And they can share all of their concerns. And then I want that part, perfectionist me or whatever it is, to look at the face of old wise me. And then have old wise me say, what do you think old wise me say, would say to that? And usually old wise me would say something like, you've done your best. And that's all we can ask for in times like this. Ideal loving parent might say, you're human. This is a part of being human is making mistakes. I made lots of mistakes when I was your age or at this year in my career or whatever. And then compassionate me would, of course, say some combination of all of those things of, Nobody's expecting you to be perfect and making mistakes is a part of life and a part of being human and it's how you can learn and you see this now so you're able to take responsibility for it or whatever. But the point of this exercise is whenever you have something bothering you and you have a sense that you're maybe being a bit too harsh on yourself, you just close your eyes and you go into your boardroom and you just go into that 
space to have this conversation where the part that's feeling attacked or the part that's feeling criticized just can sit and listen to the kindness, the shared humanity, and the mindful observation of noticing what am I doing and how am I speaking to myself right now? And you allow the brain to access these other parts that usually out of habit or out of safety, you know, a lot of times when we're little, we learn to tune those voices out because the critical perfectionist, you know, whip cracker kept us safe. It kept us in line. It kept us loved by our caregivers or out of trouble. And we forgot to upgrade the tapes. We forgot to reassess that. What time is it? What year is it? I'm not a little kid anymore. I don't need to be so hard on myself anymore. How do I want to show up in this world? And then you can be more conscious in that. So by doing this whole self-compassion reflection or exercise, it often is a really simple, quick way to just have a glimpse and just have a taste of it, of what that feels like in your body and what that feels like in your mind and emotionally to, wow, for the first time, I just let old wise me or ideal loving parent get a word in where previously maybe I've only ever let the perfectionist or the critic talk. If you're a parent or a professional who works with children and you want my help in improving things with the kiddos in your life, or if you're simply a human being feeling kind of stuck and maybe kind of overwhelmed, my online programs have lots of resources, transformative content, one-on-one coaching, group coaching, and a supportive community. If you want to learn more, just go to HeidiRogers.com. All right, friends, thank you as always for tuning in today. Our time is our most precious asset, so I truly appreciate you sharing your time with me. I'll see you right back here for the next episode of Tell the Others.